Hello, interview listeners. It's Jill, your host, with a quick reminder. The content shared in this podcast is for informational purposes only and spans holistic, spiritual, and intuitive topics meant to assist you on your personal development journey. This applies to all guests and co-hosts. I'm not a healthcare professional, nor do I give advice within the fields of medical, mental health, or animal care. Please seek the appropriate help if you need to. Thank you. Now, on to the show. Are you? Can you hear spirit calling? I'm Jill, and this is my intuitively guided podcast where all things mystical, creatively mix and mingle. As a holistic teacher, we'll talk about everything from energy to angels, chakras to shamanism, crystals to meditation, and the psychic nudges only our soul knows. Thanks so much for joining me for solo episodes as well as interviews with like minded people. Now let's get started on this spiritual journey together. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hello Inner You. I'm Jill, your host and artistic mystic, and today I'll be talking with my guest, Mona Wind. Mona is an energy practitioner and consciousness teacher out of Boston, Massachusetts, and she offers a variety of online private sessions, classes, and retreats with clients from all walks of life and who are all over the world. Most recently, Mona has developed a technique called direct experience in which she assists clients during healings and teachings to get in direct contact with their own oneness or still point within themselves. I can't wait to hear more about this in Mona's words. So let's dive right in. Welcome to the show, Mona. Thanks for having me, Jill. What what a pleasure and honor to spend time with you today. Thank you. I feel the same way. I've been very excited for this interview. So I want to just dive right in, but I want to get started first with hearing in your own words, your journey up until this point and anything you'd like to share. Who are you and how did you get to this place? <laughs> wow. What is this like our backstory, right? My <laughs> origin story. Well, I was born in India and I had an experience of source very quickly, a direct experience about the age of two months. I had a near death experience that took me into the still point. And I remember it very vividly because the experience of it was vibrating through my cells throughout my childhood. Unfortunately, like many of us who experience being human, I also had a lot of trauma going on. I had one parent who was extraordinarily loving, very, very connected, and one parent that was herself very traumatized and passed that on. So the early part of my life, there was a lot of traveling, a lot of I would say, dysregulated emotions and stress, yet I would drop into the still point very quickly. And it was so confusing to me because coming from a culture that pushes or talks a lot about spirituality, there's this unspoken saying that unless you're perfect or you got it all together, you can't have that experience. So it was very confusing to me because I would drop in for hours, days at a time and just be completely silent and then come out into this dysregulated, very traumatized experience. 
And this went on till about 18 years old. And when my father passed away, I remember the moment I was here in the U.S. He had sent my sister and me to the U.S. to study. And I was walking. I remember that moment. It gives me chills even now. I was walking down the road back to my sister's apartment. And I stopped. And I got this kind of intense energy field of, oh, my father died. And my father was the anchor. He was the one that gave this unconditional love to support in the trauma, to get through the trauma is what, I'm, what I meant. And so when he left, I got these downloads of information about, oh, the next years are going to be tough. Like, and, and his soul kind of spoke to me saying, I got to go now. Oh, it makes me emotional. I have to go now. Because if I, this is now your journey, like you got to figure this out. So it propelled me. And after that, you know how it is, Jill, source comes in and there's no control. You are going one way and you end up going another way and kind of source and eventually ended up taking me towards about 23 years ago, energy work, healing work. I started off as a coach and very quickly people started asking me or bartering with me in energy work. And again, step by step, it was like I understood that traumatized part had to be integrated with this other piece. And what I came to realize, I came to realize for all of us, is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much you have gone through. It doesn't matter how many lifetimes you've gone through it. That wholeness exists consistently. I'm with you, Mona, as you're talking, like I'm trying not to well up. I'm thinking of a couple of things in my life that I'm still going through and working through. Would you call those the shadow pieces of your experiences or your inner stuff? Absolutely. It's like, it's the unloved pieces and generations of it, right? Because it's generational. It's, it's global. We are all experiencing the shadow, this unloved pieces and it's so easy to say, I know that when we are in our unloved peace, that unloved peace is what's speaking. But when we look into the world and we see there's like, well, there's this going on here and that person's that. And I go, my goodness, how far we have come from that experience of loving ourselves and loving each other, which heals instantaneously. All energy work is bringing that love right back in. However, the intention is, the method is, it's the same thing. It's like, all of that pain gets moved gently and integrated into love. So, yeah, that shadow, oh, that shadow that is so up right now for all of us, so so powerful mirror of it's time to go back into that space again. I agree. You're talking about the shadow work. You're talking about the wounds of experiences and who we are as people and then how we relate to the world and how the world is relating to us. Do you feel we're on the upswing or do you feel we are backpedaling again in terms of that collective consciousness? Well, the way I see it is based on how I've been teaching and I watch energy. So all of the shadow is this repression and the repressed emotions, right? Makes us sick physically, makes us isolated, separate completely from each other and the world. And when that structure that has been placed for so long through force, through power, through control breaks, and I watch this with my students, is when that's, those structures of defense got, come apart, 
it's a hot mess. <laughs> and it looks like that because there's all the suppression coming through, all of the anger comes up inside of them, all of the, I mean, there's generations, it could be all of their lineage experiencing, you know, a poverty or slavery of some kind. So when I look at the world, I see these structures trying to break. And whenever structures break, it is messy. It's painful. It's painful for the ego. The, the ego has survived. This is a survival mechanism that we as a human group have used for so long. And so now it's falling apart and we don't have a sense of ourselves. We're trying to find, like, latch on to identities. Like, okay, maybe I belong in this group and maybe I belong. In the, if, I, if I go back to that group, my safety, right, that primal, I'll be safe now. At least I belong in a group. But that even falls apart. Within weeks and months, it's astounding. Like, one group, it's like trying to hold on and it falls apart. And then the person, and this time it was beautiful. I did an intensive with a group I do almost every year. And for years, I've been very dedicated to bringing them together as a tribe, but a new kind of tribe, a tribe that isn't based on structures, but their authentic voice. And I noticed them come together. It had taken six years of of the internal tribal safety mechanisms to sort of fall apart, which happened, and then they came together. And this is what I see in the world is some are really hanging on to that tribal experience and saying, this is the only safety I have. If I belong here, at least then I can survive. And even that's changing so rapidly. Humans need to belong. And when they don't belong, all their pain body comes up. So I feel like once this structure and a global level comes apart, there'll be a reorganization going on you know, this human reorganization, which is beautiful. Yeah. Would you say that when you go inward, you automatically are connected with your tribe of others who are going inward? Like, how will we find each other? I do my daily meditations and my daily work, and I try to reflect it back out into my family and into the people that I meet when I leave my house. But is that enough? How do we connect on that broader scale with other people who are also working with their authenticity. It's it's accurate what you're describing, Joe. It's like to do that, first of all, takes a lot of courage. So whoever's listening and, and you're doing this, that's a big deal. For a while in that journey, we walk alone. It can be very lonely because that's the hero's journey. You're looking at all aspects of yourself. And so then the tribe becomes a kind of a wounded tribe. You know, everyone's in their wound working out their wound. And yet, as you go into that still point, and especially the point where there's an acceptance of all aspects of ourselves, for me, it was all of my defenses, which were many and very old from this very old lineage. And that self-love came through. It was like, okay, I was loving the part of myself that was egotistical at times or arrogant or prideful. And kind of bringing that in through all of this, yes, that even that is me, I notice my external world instantaneously will change. Then because of that law of attraction, that comes into your world. That naturally comes into your world. But there is a time, if again, whoever's listening, if you're going through it where you feel very alone, like you're like tribeless almost, 
And that is the hero's journey. For a while, you have to be with yourself and your own inner tribe. Like I, I had to be with my own inner tribe of different voices and different defenses and cultivate them and love them. And as that tribe kind of integrated, then I could be with my external tribe, so to speak. And also to not outsource that because a lot of this reality, this experience is, well, let me do it from the outside in. So what you started with is, as you do it from the inside, then it, it's going to shift. You will find your tribe. And in time, it will also become less and less a wounded tribe. It won't be a tribe that's just working on the wound, working on the wound, where it's like, oh, okay, it's like, okay, that's lifted so I can see something and experience something different around me. I agree with you. I remember hearing you talk I believe it was on a radio show, and I can't be specific about this, but I remember you telling a story about living your life intuitively and how you were at the bank once and you had a necklace on. Am I accurate in sharing the story? And the person admired your necklace and you said, would you like it? And the person was like, oh. And so could you kind of share what that means when you live your life intuitively and leave your house and connect with people? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, I come from a culture where Indian people are very smart and very well educated. And what I noticed with myself was I was always noticing and connecting and wanting, even now, I will see someone on the street and I want to connect with them. And that is the experience for all of us. That's the wholeness. And in that, as you start going inside of yourself and source speaks, it says, Mona, go here now. Mona, speak now. And you take the moment to just become silent and just listen, then your steps, it's like there's that trust piece, right? You take a step and uh, the next step forms underneath and you put your foot down. And then you lift your foot up and then the next. And so I'm always listening. I'm always listening and I'm listening emotionally. I'm listening to see if, if because emotion is connection. If there is no emotional energy, so the necklace and the bank person, there was an emotional energy exchange. And in that is where connection lies. So by practicing that within myself, I am now training my own body and my own self to be in connection to everything. And I do. I really live my life that way. I wake up and I listen and I feel if if my garden, some plant is speaking to me and needs my caretaking, I listen. If my dogs are speaking to me emotionally, I listen. And I noticed that because it's so much more in the body, it's more embodied, my experience of life is less chaotic. And there's a flow to it because each step gets formed for me. I don't know what it is till the end, like I can look back. But in that moment, I know that that is actually source speaking to me. And I talk a lot about that in the direct experience with students is source speaks to us through our emotions. And yes, initially, because we are <clears throat> libraries, you know, of the experiences and data, maybe the image will come through or there'll be a memory of an experience because it's translating. Our body is translating that energy. But as you drop more and more into pure emotion, then the, the connection with everything becomes natural. It's like our natural state. So that's why as we go more and more into the mind, you know, with technology very quickly over the last hundred or so years, 
or into trying to gather more data, that intuitive connective process is not, there's no feedback mechanism. It's only data gathering. Like I know what I know. And if, if it's outside of that knowing, then I can't experience it. Are you a fan of ego being a part of that conversation? Or do you say ego is kind of the enemy or is ego a natural part of our human existence? And what's your opinion on that? Oh, it's completely. I mean, in source, there's nothing separate. So if source has created an ego, there is a reason for it. And it's a tool. It's absolutely a tool and must be used that way and only that way. It's like anything in life. We overdo one thing, we kind of get a little off track. To me, my ego has, and I say this to anyone listening again to, your ego, your defense, your shadow, thank God you had it. You survived some tough stuff. If that defense did not exist, you wouldn't have made it. So, yeah, it's on your side. For me, it's in my, on my side. It feels like that means that everything within us needs to be nurtured and honored, right? It's a part of that collectiveness in who we are that we shouldn't pick ourselves apart and say, we're not good enough and how are we going to get good enough? And it's like an inner battle. So you're saying welcome, honor, and include all of it, then getting to the still point and clearing what you need to so that you can have more of a complete picture of what your personal journey is. Is that, that's kind of what I'm getting from that? It is. It's again, the personal journey and the collective journey, because kind of like, you know, it's it's like micro macro kind of experience. So in the, in, the, in the personal journey, there is all of these defenses that help me survive, help you survive. And I thank God I had them because some of the experiences I had to go through, and I'm sure people listening, I wouldn't have survived if I had, didn't have those defenses. Yet, and for me to, to love them means to love that aspect of me that wants to survive and live. What would you say is the gift of having a near-death experience? Can you explain what your experience was like and what that offered you? For me, it was unusual. Most near-death experiences, people see like there's different levels of energy that happen. So as soon as you leave your body or you become pure energy, wherever the mind is trained, that's why how we think and how we feel is so important, engages with it. So if a person has been entrained into oh, I'm going to see angels and guides, and that's where the experience is. For me, my experience was completely right into the still point. So I, I felt all of those vibrations, those different dimensions, I don't even know the languaging of it is accurate, go through me, and then there was just silence. And so in that silence, everything was available. You know, the ego was available, the archetypes were available, the past life... All that we as human beings experienced, the creative aspect of ourselves was available, but it was still, there was silence there and no point of view. There's no judgment. It's what we call unconditional love. It just was. So when I came back or that energy returned into this body, when I was looking at energy or beings or people or animals or anything, all of the information was available. It wasn't just like what the what was created it was like i could i would be standing somewhere and it would get empty and then suddenly i would see the mountains forming to how they got to the place they were there at that point 
because everything becomes available in that moment, in the still point. Because you're so tuned into this, do you feel that your waking life, your sleep life, and your lucid dreaming life kind of morphs together in your beingness? And how does that offer you the ability to see things from a different perspective? Because it's where your point of focus is, right? My point of focus is you right now, my connection with you, my interaction with you. So the way the body operates like a tool is everything that is needed for this point of focus is available. So it's not like I'm walking through the world, like every single piece of data. And it used to, like you just come and then you get lost. But it's that intention, that point of focus is very, very important. It's like, again, you use your body as a tool. And with that tool, you get the assistance of everything that is non-physical. So that's how I operate, is that I, I am very focused. I'm very present with something, you know, all of the kind of Buddhist Zen teachings about being very present is about that. And with that, then the aspect of us that's connected to everything, that is everything, can come in and resource me, can support me, can direct me, can clarify, can say what needs to be said, expressed. That feels like it's a more natural connection to everything. I'm remembering back to when I was a child, and I would say I was around four years old. And I feel like I remembered where I came from. I remembered there was darkness. I remembered I came from it. I saw stars. And I would get so frustrated that nobody could understand this. I would sit there. I remember sitting on the curb thinking, how is it that these adults do not understand where, and I couldn't explain it. Like, and it will come back to me in my life. That feeling, is that the still point? That's the still point. I mean, I'm just like loving your your emotion because you're connecting to it. You're like, oh, it's in my body. I had complete memory. And that is the still point. I have a hard time trying to translate this because it's pure experience. It's embodied. You, you were completely experiencing the still point, the connection. And you, it's very hard to put words onto that because it's an experience inside of you. Yeah. And it would draw things to me or I would put myself in situations where I could connect with it. Which brings me to the next question. When you talk about the direct access to wholeness, how could you take the listeners through the journey of what that experience is like when you're working with a client or conducting a class? So yeah, the direct experiences is like you start off very much about clearing the channels, right? So emotions and traumas that get suppressed and blocked, if you imagine a stream, it becomes blocked. There's no water flowing. And water is the metaphor for emotions and consciousness. So it's always important when I work with someone to see where the blockages are, where that flow is not moving through them. And then once there's an understanding like, okay, this is where it is, to sort of very gently move that debris out, so to speak, the emotional debris and then is to connect with the language of source which is emotions emotions guide us towards something and away from something and then take them into connecting to that emotional realm and getting very very comfortable with the language of emotion no matter what it is even if it's uncomfortable that's still a language of emotion 
And then as that happens and that flow opens, I send a lot of transmissions and transmissions help the neural network in the brain very quickly adjust to, oh, this is a natural state for me. It's like children, you know, create neural networks by watching or mimicking being in the vibration of their parents or whoever's caretaking them. So it's the same process. It's like, okay, now you can mirror this neural network in me, in your brain. And the brain very quickly starts adjusting to it. It goes, okay, to completely go into the still point and be at ease in it, which is called enlightenment or self-actualization, is where all those defense mechanisms are, are silent. Because there's such a flow of consciousness and energy moving through that wherever there's like, oh God, I can't, you know, if I let go of my defense, I'm not going to survive, has to also fall apart, which is what I was talking about, like the world structures trying to fall apart. It's the same principle. So when I work with someone, I take them completely through that whole process. And the energy that comes through, it comes through my eyes, which is the still point it is also like a rotor router. It goes right, goes, it'll hit, let's say it'll hit the person's system. It's, imagine it's hitting the top of the head. I mean, this is just symbolic. And then it's it's going in and at every little place that there's a stuckness of an emotion, it starts hitting it and starts resolving it and dissolving it until it's sort of, there's a flow. And then there's a connectivity. There's like a connection happening. Um, and then once the body gets adjusted to it over a period of time, it takes, it depends on the person, then it becomes a natural state. Because our enlightenment, our self-actualization is our natural state. Is this in relation to the Akashic information? Because as the student of yours, as an Akashic record practitioner trainee, and I love your course, by the way, I learned a lot. I work with it. And I love the way that that energy feels when I'm connecting with that. How does that all relate? Yeah. First, I'm so glad that you are enjoying it. That that gives me a lot of pleasure. The Akashic records are so helpful because it gives you the history of you or the person you're working with. So you know exactly very quickly where to focus in. It's like, okay, I come and you do a reading for me. And I say, Joe, you know, I'm noticing this pattern in my life. And by accessing the records, which are the vibration of the still point, they're like that vibration of the still point, but they're, 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 it's non-threatening way to the ego, to the structure that's formed that says, oh, I can go in and I can come out. Okay, I can, that I can manage very, very easily. And that vibration of the still point that holds all data becomes accessible to you. And now when you're working with yourself and another, you can pinpoint, you can go straight to where a root of a situation is or an explanation so there's an understanding and understanding can integrate a lot of energy as well. Happens very, very, very quickly. And your body gets adjusted to that vibration because our bodies to hold all of the source, that's a lot of data. Like that's a lot of data input. So you get adjusted like a container, you start getting bigger and bigger and bigger and holding more and more and more and more in your body as you go into those records. I'm nodding because as I was working with the course, I would go back in 
and work with how that felt. And you're right. It's like the container is bigger and bigger. I have yet to work with the halls of a mentee. And if you could explain what that is, because I want to make sure that I'm all in. Mm. Does that make sense? Like, I don't want to go in there yet if, if I'm not ready for it, because I feel like my container is going to get really super, super, super big. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, you know, kind of like a carnival ride. Am I ready to go on the biggest ride yet? But that's lovely and brilliant, too, that you're giving yourself the time and the space. So the halls of Amenti are based on actually Egyptian mystery schools dedicated to self-actualization. That was their dedication. You know, it's like you start at the age of four or five and you spend 30, 40, 50 years there. And the halls of Amenti were, are, were a, a portal way into higher vibrational capacities and principles of energy where you start learning about, which I think, again, in your, in your trusting your intuition, which is beautiful. You're not just going, okay, this is another course and I'm just going to do it and check it and not really expand into it. When you get more comfortable with this data and you go into the halls of a mentee, you are now interacting with vibrational frequencies that teach you how to move energy in specific ways. You know, these are kind of what the masters did. In India, there's being, he passed away over 100 years ago, but Shirdi Sai Baba. And it's like a little village in India. It's no longer a village, but it was a little village. And millions of people go. And he's so potent that he can manifest. He's passed away, but he can still, that energy can manifest people's desires and wishes. So as you go into that, you start adjusting to the vibration and get in relationship with yourself and others, and you start going and talking to these master vibrational keepers, they start moving your energy around to be able to do these kind of things. And so there is, again, it's a dedication. It's like, I was actually telling my students that I was so glad that my ego flared up so strongly in this lifetime because I was able to see how if I wasn't, in relationship to it, what I could do with energies, like where the ego would want to do something with a particular vibrational frequency. And I was able to go, oh, yeah, okay, that's not the best choice in the world for me or the other. So as you start going, I have a sense you're starting, you're, you, they're already starting to call to you just from this conversation right now, it's getting stronger, that your energy will now be trained. And they are beings, they are, they are vibrational they're master beings of certain kinds of vibration, and they have a very personal relationship with each per, with each each one who enters. It's not like a generic thing; like everyone gets to eat ice cream on Monday. You know, it'll be like, ah, oh, we sense Jill, and Jill's vibration is here, and now this is where we're going to go with that vibration and teach you this, and then. You go through, again, with all mystery schools, you go through initiation. So you drop in for a year, you learn all these things, and then something happens, you go back in, and then you go into another space with them, and you keep expanding and expanding. Very much you could spend, like, years just learning from those masters about vibration. I do feel that calling, to be honest with you. And when I'm working in the Akashic realm, what's really cool it feels like just for me, like this is my place, the place where I was a kid with my head on my fist on the curb, staring at the street. Why don't they understand? When I go there, like this is my clubhouse. Ooh. And I'm really excited to connect 
to, to learn more about me. And you know what's really cool about when you're in there is they're just so calming because I'm like all giddy and excited and they're just kind of like, yep, here we go. And it's like you're taken by the hand of your higher self and you're seeing everything in a broader perspective. So would you say when you're the type of person who's working with all of these energy modalities and expanding your vessel, do you then begin to see the world not so scary and not so confusing? And then as that is happening and those energies are working and merging and mingling, you're calling in your tribe simultaneously and they're going to find you and you're going to find each other. And then your world feels more happy. Absolutely. It's one is I love that you describe it as your own personal clubhouse. How cool is that? It is. It's a place of integration. It's a place where you get to integrate. I mean, our goal is not to find, at least I say to my students, the goal is not to find a wounded tribe. The goal is to find the tribe that is experiencing the beauty of life and the love of life and the truth of life. So as you integrate, you do see the world in a different way. Like, I'm not scared of the world. I know that there is a lot happening, and I listen to it when it's needed. Again, you know, if I have to pay attention, I'll pay attention. But because my internal world is is where I want my internal world to be, my response is completely different. It's not, oh, my God, oh, my God. It's, whoa, source, if I will be of service, I will be of service. Yet I am still here experiencing life. So let me enjoy life too and experience it. So when I need to help, I'll help. And when I need to just be with me and others, I need to be with me and others. That's it. That's beautiful. I love that. The big question is, I ask this to almost every guest I have on, what's your opinion of COVID? Are we through it? And is it the big equalizer? Was it the big lesson? And what do you have to say about that? Is it over to a certain degree? It is. It is an equalizer. It did show us for a bit that we were all on the same journey and that we are vulnerable, that our egos are not as strong as we want them to be. They can't leave each other out. What I feel it brought to the surface is our shadow. All of the aspects of what fractures us, isolation, not being part of a tribe, resources, you know, the things that are survival, they got activated. Humans do not do well isolated. They do not do well when they don't have resources or know how to get them. But that also brought up that shadow, the piece that will will react into the world in that survival mechanism. Now the question is, it's up. It's up globally, all over. What are we going to do about it inside of ourselves? Would you say that it was a door to leave this place for people who couldn't handle the energy that was happening. I lost my brother to COVID and he was a guy with multiple sclerosis, but he passed from COVID. And I asked this on a personal note, was it a mass exodus of energy that just left this planet and that was a door out? I have a different interpretation of that. I feel that your brother left because he could help from the other side. You know, his nature as all of ours, underneath all of the pain body is love, is a desire for wholeness. And so the greater aspect of him, even now as I speak, I feel the chills, you know, the chills of love, that he's like, I too must serve. 
and I will serve. And this is the way I can do it. So if it's easier to do it this way, then I will do it in this way. And that's that's what I feel. Oh, Mona, I got chills too. I feel him in that presence because in my own meditations and in my own awareness, he was that type of person in this life. He was like that. And I feel like he couldn't do that anymore. And I feel like he would want to do that. Thank you so much for that beautiful message. I appreciate that so much. Talking about how to continue to maneuver through the energies of the world and then bringing it back into who we are moving through our daily existence. What would you say is a good starting place into connecting more fully with authenticity and how to grow that? Mm, beautiful question. What I say and teach is come back to the principles that are the universe and operate from that. Even if it's, you know, you do it a minute, you forget. What are the principles of the universe? There is truth, there is beauty, there is love, there's wholeness. So if we are making a decision about going out for dinner with someone, or we are in a group of people and they're talking about a certain thing that's going on, for me, I apply those principles. If that vibration that they're speaking about has truth, has beauty, has love and wholeness, my focus will go there. And if it doesn't, there's nothing for me to do. And what that does for me is one is it brings me back to the discipline of being in that experience with oneness for me and then offering it to other people. And it's very simple. I find it very simple, you know. Just yesterday was talking to someone and she was telling me something she had heard about news and I listened and I applied that and I said, mm, there's no truth here, there's no beauty, there's no love or there's no wholeness. There's nothing for me to do. I do not need to apply my energy towards this in any way, shape or form. And that keeps course correcting for me. Like I get to course correct. I'm like, I'm not getting distracted by something that is going to push me apart and push each other apart. I'm going to stay in that vibration that brings me wholeness and then everything around me wholeness. I feel like it's a part of a natural part of self-preservation in a way that kind of just comes into you when you operate from that place of, does that feel like I need to be a part of that or this, or does it draw me to that love energy? And am I supposed to be stepping into this right now? Do you find that conversationally people <laughs> here we are having a conversation but conversationally <laughs> do you find people are so wanting the magic bullet these days that they just talk and talk and talk but they're not listening that jill that is happening absolutely everywhere i just had a conversation with a friend who said she went to an event and three people in the middle of a conversation walked off and they said yes <laughs> What Again, what's happening is those fractured, those shadow pieces are coming up and being relatable, relating to another person is not really the primary focus. It's more about the self in that moment, like me, what I'm saying, not what Jill's saying or listening to you. And so that is part of the pain body that's coming up. Whenever that happens with me, where someone is really not listening I know that child self who never got heard is up. And I'm like, I mean, not that I would 
martyr myself. I'm not into archetypal behavior where I'll just sit there and listen endlessly and then let, you know, and then walk away exhausted. I mean, listen, but the energy I say is, I see you. I, I see you and, and that's all I can do for you until you can see yourself. So the behaviors, again, these shadow pieces, these unloved pieces that are so in our face now constantly. And the only thing I know is to go back inside of myself and, and just keep running that energy of the still point through me and that peacefulness. And it's like, and then the world is not necessary to engage with as much. Very true. I see that too, that when you're, when you're comfortable with all of the pieces of yourself, weirdly, the world makes crazy sense. And yet you don't need to engage with it. Like it's just happening. It's almost like those Easter eggs that you look in the hole and you see it, but you're like, I'm not getting in there. Like, I'm going to look at it. I agree with you. I feel like as we're going forward with especially energy work, energy work seems like such a buzzword these days. Everybody's talking about energy. And I'm so glad, finally, I hear more of people talking about this. Now you've done readings and you also teach classes. Do you see a difference between wanting to teach people to teach themselves more these days or offering the individual sessions and readings for people directly? Like, do you see a difference in how that's changing because of all of the energy? I think that we're all just wanting out in some way. We want to feel better and we want to be taught the tools that we could have been taught as children. I don't do as much readings anymore as I used to 10 years ago or eight years ago. My focus is really teaching and, and having someone empowered, like giving them back the tools that they need to be themselves and experience themselves. And again, I think the world is like, this is not working. This much mental, you know, the mind again is a tool. It's meant to be used as a tool, but it's not, the tool is not meant to take over the whole thing. Yeah, it's, it feels like it has to be more experiential yes. than being told you need to go here and do this and I'm going to figure this out for you. I'm going to do a reading for you and figure it out for you. But if you don't put in the work, nothing really happens. Absolutely. It's like a child's state, right? You're being told some information, now you can go do it, then what's the thing? And, and, and an adult state is self-directed. It's like, well, okay, let me check in with me. What would I like? Where my Where's my focus? You know, who, who am I becoming? Who do I want to be? How do I want to interact with the world? So that teaching needs to be in us from childhood, like instilled in us. And so we are all going through a second childhood where we're going, okay, I learned how to read, write, and all of that. Now I learn about my energy, how it works, how it operates in the non-physical reality. I think that's what it is. It's like this this massive surge of all of us saying, yeah, no, I, I need to know. I need to learn how to do this and, and be in that relationship with all of me. Yeah, integrate it. That's integrate it. Absolutely. Could you share what your audio books are all about and what they cover? A lot of them are about self-love. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's to come back to yourself. How do you fall in love with yourself when that wasn't what was taught? You know, it's like that's not all offered. And again, there's no blaming of any generations coming before they did what they knew. But it's for us to actually fall, and not from a state of like better than or judgment or hierarchy, but just like, oh my gosh, you know, this is Mona, this is Jill, and and there's this understanding of how Mona operates, like all aspects of her, 
and to love that those parts and pieces of ourselves. A lot of that, is, what I offer is, how do you do this for you? How do you take care of you? How do you learn to love you and be with you and not run away from you? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, love, love all of you. I think, yeah. you, you know, we talk about love like it's something that we strive for and we can never find or get or have. And I feel like if we just take the word love, maybe put a heart around it, maybe bring it in and stick it on our chest and sit with it for a second. It's there. It's like always available. And it feels so simple, but we make it so difficult, right? I mean, trauma does that. If the people who are our primary caretakers were not safe to experience love with, then that will create the filter of it being difficult or painful. So those pieces where we do have to heal ourselves and the trauma are so important. Your website has a lot of great offerings, by the way. You have a bunch of things. If you could share, first of all, your website. Oh, yes. My website is lifeintegrity.com. There's tons of free things on there. You can spend hours on just that. And there's also free transmissions of the vibration, the vibration that I download for everyone. The way that I do my sessions are very based on bringing someone back into self-learning of how to have direct experiences. So when someone comes to me and they want to work with me, they will say, oh, Mona, I'm focused on this. And I will look to see how to clear out the streams, but also how to send that energy into their body so their body starts waking up. It may not happen instantaneously. It may happen the next day or a week later. But that kind of putting the seeds of the consciousness inside that start blooming are very, very important to me. It's like to have as many people connecting to all of themselves and integrating all of themselves. So yeah, there are sessions, there's classes, there's just pure clearing opportunities. There's a lot there. I mean, everyone, please check it out. I wanted to ask you, what would be a poker tell for people who need to clear their energy? It's important that if you're having an experience over and over again, there's a pattern formed. And so if we're having the same sort of argument, but with a different person or the same sort of health issue, that's where seeking out. Because when we are with ourselves, we already have an agenda and a filter in place. But when someone comes in and just looks at it, they're like, oh, you know, there's, they don't, they don't need to find an excuse not to tell you. They'll say exactly, this is what's going on and this is what needs to be moved. So patterns that do not change Thoughts that are repetitive, like a repetition, like I've said the same thing for the last 10 years or 10 months, are another thing. From a standpoint of just a quick clearing so you can work on just yourself, is when you wake up, check and see where your emotional temperature is. That tells you if you're connected to source or you're disconnected. Check your emotional temperature. Check and see immediately by saying something like, what is not mine, I return it. What is not mine, I return it, because we're all interconnected. So we may be picking up other people's emotions and thoughts. We don't need to. So what is not mine, I return it. Suddenly your body will feel lighter. You're like, oh, okay, now I'm just left with me. And then you can take those steps and see, well, well am I actually operating the same way I've always operated, or is there another something new available to me? I love that. It, because you're, you're asking and you're connecting to your authenticity to rid what is not supposed to be in your energy body and then to connect with all that good juju you know 
<laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and again, we are interconnected. We cannot, we, we think we're separate, but our bodies are completely telepathic. You know, I show my students this, I say you're instantaneously telepathic. So the first thing is to say, it's if it's not mine, I'm returning it. I don't need to even understand it. It doesn't matter whose it is. It could have been the neighbors. It could have been someone on another part of the planet. And now I'm left with me. And now I get to choose with me what it is I want to do and where I want to go. Oh, that's beautiful, Mona. Well, as we wrap up here today, I wanted to ask you, what is it that you would like to share if we haven't covered something that is on your mind? Anything? I want to reiterate, it's really important to get in touch and work through the emotions. It is. It is a connection to ourselves, to each other, and to the source field. But if we can do that much, at least, a lot of other things will fall into place because then the relationship that got hurt, not destroyed, but got hurt, can repair the relationship with us. And to me, all of us is about relationship to ourselves, to each other, and to source, to repair that relationship by connecting to our emotions and seeing what needs to flow, what needs to be moved. Thank you. I think the direct experience that you're offering feels like it just gets right to the crux of it. That's like, that's it. That's the fast track to you. And why wouldn't people want to get there as quickly as possible and as authentically as possible to get into the soup of you, right? Like, that's beautiful. You get to experience you the reason you turned up in a body. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's just, a, it's a very, it's a very cool thing that you're doing, Mona. I love your energy. Thank you so much for being here. I'm going to have all of your information in the show notes so that people can find you if they haven't already. And yeah, I would love to have you back on to talk about more things. I feel like there's, there's so much to your energy. I've loved checking in on your website every few months and seeing what's going on and taking your course and working with that energy. And I just thank you so much for being here with me for an entire hour. Oh, my pleasure. We're all kind of holding hands, walking the path together. So it's, it's fun. It's fun you've got buddies. <laughs> yeah, it just feels like, wow, like somebody else I met that's got really cool beans energy. Yay! Yay. <laughs> so I, I thank you for that. I don't think it's as hard as we think it is, right? Like we just have to get to that still point. Yeah. And also we need to be around people that practice that. The humans are amazing at mirroring. And so when we're in the space of others that are like that, we immediately just do it. That's how we learn as babies. You know, we watch and we feel as completely nonverbal. And we're saying, oh, that's how I feel. And that's how I'm supposed to do it. And so when we are with that, with each other that way, it's very, very rapidly we shift into it and go, oh, I can do that too. Thank you to everyone who's rated, reviewed, and follows the show. I really appreciate your support. And if you've enjoyed this episode, tell a friend. Remember, new episodes of Hello Inner You drop every Wednesday. Also, if you're interested in my intuitive wellness services, check out my website, spiritchi.org, for more information, as well as helloinneryou.com for podcast updates. Until next week, everybody, let your love light shine. Take care. Bye. Bye.